Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Shabbat Shalom. So the earth is in chaos and void. There is nothing but a wind out of nowhere and a darkness hovering over the face of the deep. Then God says, Vahi or, let there be light. And there is light. God speaks and creates the world. This is how our Torah begins. And it's what we read today. Now I knew these lines and this part of the Torah before I knew a lulav from an etrog. But until rabbinical school, I had never thought to ask why. Rashi, one of our great medieval commentators, asked the question, why does the Torah start with the creation of the world? Surely, since this is the law code of the Jews, it should have started in Exodus, when the Israelites first become a nation and when the laws are first given. Why go this far back, Rashi says? The answer is it is to teach us That the same God who chose us and gave us the land of Israel is the God that created the whole world. Another rabbi known as Ramban tells us that we read Genesis to teach us the nature of faith and the nature of sin. When I asked some students this question earlier in the week, we touched upon the idea that the answer depends on how you see the book. Is it a law code? A book for all people or only the Jews? Is it history or is it philosophy? Is it theology? Obviously, the answer could be all of the above. One student chimed in and said, Rabbi, you're going to love this answer. It's our origin story. Thank you, Stephanie. I did love that answer. Fifth and sixth graders, I know you know what an origin story is. Peter Parker gets bitten by a radioactive spider. Batman's parents are killed in front of him. Harry's mother sacrifices herself to save his life. Merrick approaches Buffy and tells her she is the new vampire slayer. Or, Cantor Schwartz, your children can explain all these references to you later. Origin stories tell us where the hero comes from and give us hints as to their motivation and their purpose. There are origin stories throughout the Torah. In a couple of weeks, we'll read Abraham's origin story. The book of Exodus gives us the origin of the Israelites as they emerge from slavery in Egypt and receive the Torah in the desert. This morning, we read the origin story of the entire world, its creation, its organization, the role of humans and the role of God. In the story of creation and Eden, we see the origins of humanity's relationship with God. God created us, charged us to multiply and rule the earth and also protect it. In the story of Cain and Abel, we see the origins of our relationships with one another. Beautiful Devar Torah, Isaac. We are all family in origin. Yet we see that even family can hurt one another. And we ask the question, am I my brother's keeper? Rabbi Shlomo David Luzzato, known as the Shadal, says that these two fundamental principles, the unity of the universe and the unity of all humanity, are the main point of the stories of the creation. Dr. Robin Rosenberg, 
who writes about the psychology of origin stories, says that there are actually two separate origins to most superheroes. The origin of their power and the origin of their mission. The origin of Harry's power is from his parents. The origin of his mission is the prophecy and Dumbledore's training. Rosenberg also divides these stories into three categories. Trauma, chance, and destiny. Peter Parker gets his power through chance when he is randomly bitten by a radioactive spider. He gets his mission through trauma when he neglects to stop a criminal who ends up killing his Uncle Ben and then vows to never neglect the responsibility his power creates. In Genesis, it would seem that the power of humanity originates in destiny. God tells us when we are created that we will master the land, that the flora and fauna are ours to protect and to till. To some extent, this encompasses our mission as well. But our mission really seems to be born, like Spider-Man's, out of trauma. First, the trauma of being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, after which God tells us that we will from then on be cursed to bear pains in childbirth and only eat by toil and the sweat of our brow. Then the trauma of Cain's murder of his brother and the punishment of Cain give humanity its mission to preserve life, not to harm our brothers and sisters, and perhaps also our penchant for wandering. Now, of course, we have personal origin stories as well. I come from Wisconsin. Even though I was born in Illinois, I lived there for a while, I come from Wisconsin. That's my origin story. Our origin stories, whether they're personal or universal, they're important. They give us context. They give us resilience. There is a study that has been cited by all of the rabbis of this synagogue multiple times in which two professors show that people who can answer a series of questions about their family's past tend to do better when facing the challenges of the present. They called it the do you know test. And the test is made up of questions like, do you know where your parents met? Do you know where some of your grandparents grew up? Do you know the source of your own name? Do you know any of the jobs your parents had when they were young, etc.? The researchers found that the higher a child scored on this test, that is to say, the more do you know questions they answered yes to, the more resilient a child was. Now, resiliency here means the ability to deal with change and adversity in general. It's not that someone who is resilient never fails or faces challenges, but resilient people are more likely to roll with some punches and hold on to a sense of control and a positive outlook on life despite these failures and challenges. It was found that children who knew more of their family's origin story tended to be more resilient. They had greater sense of control over their lives. They had higher self-esteems and higher esteem for the functioning of their family. The researchers discovered that the do-you-know test was the single greatest predictor of child's emotional health and happiness. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, but Rabbi, correlation does not equal causation, and you would be right. Simply knowing where your mother went to school or how your grandparents met does not make someone better able to cope with life's problems. Unfortunately, we cannot simply secure our children's happiness by teaching them the answers to the do-you-know test. What the researchers believe is that it is the nature of a family who shares these things 
that helps a child. Family dinners, sitting and talking and making us feel like we're part of something great. These are what help us through life's tough times. These stories give us a framework to think about our lives. The researchers noticed that certain patterns emerged in the family stories. The first was the ascendant narrative. You know, son, our family started out with nothing in this world, but we worked our way up and look at us now. This might correspond with Rosenberg's destiny category. This narrative is maybe one of the most common amongst immigrant families here. The second is trauma, or the narrative of decline. Daughter of mine, this family used to have it all, and then we lost everything. And finally, psychologists say that the healthiest narrative is the oscillating narrative. Let me tell you, we've had our ups and downs in this family. Your grandmother put herself through college. Your grandfather was a pillar of, of, commu of the community, but we've also had our setbacks. Your uncle was arrested. We had a house burned down. Your father lost a job, but through it all, we stuck together as a family. These stories give us frameworks for the way we look at the world. They help us make sense of the trials and triumphs of life. They give us confidence and they can help us feel like we're not alone. Origin stories help us understand ourselves in a broader context and guide us with core principles as we make our way through the narratives of our lives. Origin stories also guide us when we have to do what all heroes and heroic narratives must do, and that's reboot. Earlier this week, we observed a day from the origin story of our nation. Much like Genesis, how you look at the origin stories of our country depend on how you see our mission. Is it Columbus Day, celebrating the moment Europeans first landed on these shores, or Indigenous Peoples Day, observing that those who inhabited these lands for centuries before, so those, there are those who inhabited these lands for centuries before being killed and removed. If we're going to learn the names of Columbus's ships in school, shouldn't we at least learn the name of the ship that brought the first enslaved Africans to Virginia in 1619? It was the White Lion. When we, the people, made, <clears throat> decided to form a more perfect union in 1787, who was included in that we and who was left out? Was the perfect union born right then in the 18th century, or are we still perfecting it today? The way we tell our origin stories guide the way we live our lives. These conversations about language and history couldn't be more important as we reboot our nation, because we are surely in a time of rebooting. The holidays of the past month remind us that every individual has a chance to renew themselves and the stories they tell about themselves each year. The election coming up in three weeks reminds us that our nation has the same opportunity. Now, earlier this week, I was speaking to uh, Reverend Stephanie Kendall of Park Avenue Christian that we'll be teaching together tomorrow, if anyone would like to join in. Both of our communities are welcome. Now, she, before becoming a reverend, worked in the movie industry. Sorry, you guys get boring rabbis. They have very cool reverends over there. And she said that whenever a reboot is done, it's up to the authors, the writers, the editors to decide what part of the origin story they're going to keep and what part of the origin story they're going to uh, 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 excise. And I think we can ask the same questions as we think about our origin stories. So to go back to Genesis, 
The origin story that used to be at one point one of the most crucial was the idea of how the world was created. Was it created out of nothing or was there something always there? Then later in history, the part of the origin story that we return to again and again and again and still do to some extent is what is the nature of that creation? Is six days really six days? Is it not 2.7 billion years? How do we bring the book of evolution and the book of science and the book of Genesis together as one? I might argue in the reboot to come, the most important question about Genesis that we need to ask hinges on that idea of our role as humans. Is it to master and control, or is it to preserve, is it to work the land? And as we approach the rebooting of our nation, the same thing we must ask. What are the dates we're going to highlight? What are the stories we're going to tell? Whom are we going to include? And I want to say, I think that the most important thing is not where we end with those decisions, but that we include the struggle in the origin story. That our origins are not clear. Our origins are not perfect. Our origins, in fact, involve this question of how inclusive we can be, of how we care for one another. Cain and Abel's debate, not debate, Cain and Abel's fight, excuse me. And how we treat the people who are wronged and the people who do the wronging. That is a part of our origin story and highlighting that struggle, that can be the most important as we move on. We also have to remember that the origin is the beginning. That from the time when Peter Parker is bitten by the spider until the time when he becomes the hero, there's a lot of work that has to go into that. There's a lot of work that goes into becoming a hero and be maintaining oneself as a hero. And that is a story that we should tell. The story of the work that goes into making these values a reality. The, the story that goes into honoring these people. Now, in the world that we're going to create, that we've been creating for the last seven or eight months as we began this international reboot, is going to have a lot of aspects of the typical origin story. Unfortunately, much of it is born out of trauma. Some of it is going to be born out of chance, where we are fortunate enough to be born or who we are. And some of it might be born out of destiny. The destiny that we stand on the shoulders of giants. We stand on the shoulders of those who have fought and strived and lived and died before us to give us this world with all of its powers and privileges and problems that we inhabit today. And we need to remember in the weeks and months and years ahead, that right now we are living our origin story. In five years, in ten years, what we do right now is going to set the course of what we look like then. Each and every day, as we build our origin story, we need to remember that we are putting together right now the values that we are going to live by in the next however long. That we are putting together the mission and that we are reminding ourselves of the power that we have. And our job is to take that power and live according to that mission so that we can grow into the heroes that we are destined to be and the heroes that the world needs us to be. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah.